Hey, welcome back once again to Mayhem. I am Mark Bishop, your host, and glad you're here for another episode of the Streets of Mayhem to see uh, as we walk down the streets today to see what we just might get into. Well, with me is a longtime friend. I've known him all of my life, and we are delighted to have with us today Mr. Craig Work. Craig, welcome aboard. Good to be here. We are so glad you're here, and today we're going to talk about your story, talk about your life, and uh, you have encountered some mayhem along the way, and uh, what we hope to do is not just uh, focus on that, but to uh, maybe provide some roadblocks and try to stop some people from that same pitfall. Now, let's give a little backstory real quick. Uh, you and I... Uh, grew up, or you grew up. I, I'm I'm ahead of you a, a few years, but uh, I I've, I've watched you grow up, and uh, you grew up about uh, 25 miles from here. Uh, you were a, a part of a Christian school. Uh, we have a Christian school here. Your school and our school were big rivalries, and so I've seen you in a lot of uh, ball games and seen you on and off the court in uh, a lot of uh, church services. Craig's had a, uh, a wonderful family, wonderful Christian family, uh, grew up in a spirit-filled church, uh, been a been a believer uh, all of his childhood life and uh, surrounded by friends and family of, of like precious faith and uh, has had every opportunity in the world as we would want all of our uh, children and family to have. And so kudos to his uh, family, uh, great friends of ours. But uh, as I said, Craig has uh, had wandered off into some mayhem in his life and just recently came back um, to his senses, I guess you would say, and made a decision to come back to God and uh, rededicate his life and let God turn things around. Uh, this path that we're going to talk about led you to a life of addictions and uh, and uh, trouble and turmoil and uh, just a, a big bundle of Mess, right, Craig? Yes, sir. I don't. I don't want to put words in your mouth, so I'm gonna let you um, let you talk a little bit. Uh, at, at what age did you did you feel like you started to move away from God? You know, I, uh, as you said, I grew up in a very very Christian environment. My folks, you couldn't have asked for any better parents, uh, any better surrounding to to raise a child in. 
no better school. Um, I, it was it, nothing short, you know what I mean? I mean, nothing short about it. It was, it was, it was amazing. Um, when I was about eight years old, um, living life like any normal child, I had a situation to where um, I had a person kind of pull me into a dark place, do some stuff to me, um, changed my thoughts, changed everything about me. Uh, I've just recently uh, started talking about this. So right, right. It's, it's still a little fresh on, on um, how to handle, but I'm handling it to the best of my ability, you know. Um, to say that 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 it's been been a struggle, it has been a struggle. But you know, to tell you the the to get to the bottom of it though, there's a, there was a situation where something happened. But I still made a choice. I made a choice in the way to handle it. Not necessarily the wrong choice, but not necessarily the right choice. You know, and 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 brother Mark, choices add up. Oh yeah, yeah. Choices add up, you know, and it don't have to be a bad choice to to lead to another choice. So, um, probably I'm gonna say uh, th- this is a, a decision that that made me uh, want to live life very prideful, very to to hide. You know, I I, I I never wanted that to be discovered. I didn't want to be looked at different. I didn't want. Uh, I was eight years old. I didn't know what to think about it. I mean, what 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 eight year old has to deal with stuff like that? But at the end of the day, I still made a choice, like I said. So, and and that choice led me to live life differently. But that that choice didn't happen at eight years old. That choice didn't happen at eight years old. That choice was a time period over the next seven or eight years you know when when you become a teenager became a little more free had the opportunity to kind of do and go your own way and 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 really make your own choices up until you know up until you get your driver's license you you really don't have a choice where you go or what you do your parents say get in shut up buckle up and uh we're going to church we're going to town we're going uh vacation whatever and and so you're just uh uh, you know, and, until you get those licenses, you get your job, and uh, I'm sure you've heard this uh, time and time again. As long as you put your uh, feet under my table, you're going to do what I say. So, uh, uh, until uh, there's there's a point when you you get old enough to put your feet under another table, then then that's where a lot of the choices come in. Yeah, and then sometimes you don't get a choice in when you got a mama like me. She'll come to your house today. <laughs> that's a good thing we're not going to talk about your mom uh, on this show (laughs) well i had to sneak one in there on her yeah uh, (laughs) yeah um you know i i had uh, the closest i ever came to talking about my situation was with my youth pastor um but now here's the thing here's a catch to it and this is what i would like for any kid any person in the youth department or person in general grown up kid or whatever but specifically kids um, young teens, take advantage of the man of God that God has put in your life. Right. You know, your youth pastor is put in your life for a reason. Had I not procrastinated and talked to my youth pastor when I had the opportunity, maybe things wouldn't have went the way they went. You know, I would have definitely had covering. 
you know, and that's what God had put him in my life for was to cover me. And I didn't, I didn't take advantage of that. Okay. Well, if any of you know anything about Bethlehem, you know, we lost Patrick Wilson, which was my youth pastor. I procrastinated that situation and you see what happened. I didn't have the next chance. I could have had the chance with you. I could have come and talked to you. I could have talked to anybody. But my point is, to all these kids, you know, what I would really like to stress to them is take advantage of the man of God that, that's, that's in your life. And, and and like you said, I believe God puts uh, people in your life yeah. and, uh, you know, for for a reason, whether it be your youth pastor, your pastor, uh, you know, any great leadership within the church that um, the pastor is entrusted leadership to, uh, God puts them there for a reason. Right. And and I believe I believe God will give you a, a window and an open door and an opportunity for your paths to cross mm-hmm. and for uh, the conversation to begin, so that you can you can get help because it's not always easy to ask for help or to reach out and seek, and you might uh, speak to that. That's right. That's exactly right. And and that's what I'm, uh, you know, trying to stress right now. Um, you know, after after we lost him, um, that was, uh, well, I mean, you know, if you know, you know, you know, you know how that felt. But um, my situation was still there, you know, and I felt like at the time that, that I just lost my greatest spiritual mentor, probably the only person that I had keeping me in line at the time, you know, because I was 15, 16 years old at the time and starting to experience life, you know, where eyes wasn't on me at all times, you know. I just got my driver's license and and wasn't in the car with mom and daddy all the time, you know. So um, one thing that, that, you know, as life progresses, you know, you start thinking about dating, you start thinking about different things and, and, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to blame any individual for, for my faults, but I am going to say this. You know, the Bible tells us to, that, that we're supposed to be equally yoked. And, uh, you know, we've heard all of our life preaching about not dating outside. You, you know, we've heard preaching all our life about not dating outside the church and this and that and the other, but... You know, I can remember uh, when probably when I left, when I started veering off was when I started recognizing, you know, the the ladies outside the church and stuff. Um, started dating outside the church. Um, now, I'm not blaming this person. So if this person hears this, I don't want them to think that I'm blaming them. But it definitely was a way for the devil to take advantage of a situation and get me out of the surroundings that I had always been around. Uh, that led to uh, experiencing alcohol. That led to experiencing, you know, cigarettes, so on and so forth, weed, and on down the road, you know. I think I was probably about 18 years old when I tried uh, methamphetamine for the first time. Immediately fell in love with it from love at first sight. I mean, you know, that's, that's, that's just the road I went down. But, um, so you think uh, it was probably that choice? Uh, of course, I know it's a combination, but you think that that one choice might have been uh, a big, heavy factor in 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 spiraling downhill, if you will. It, most definitely, because it's it's the 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 deciding choice that I chose to leave the youth group. Um, you know, uh, I uh, 
it got me outside of it. And like I said, not blaming anybody specifically for it, but I will say this, um, dating outside of the church is, is one thing that definitely got me outside of the church. I mean, that's just bottom line. It got me out of the church, Yeah, you know. What, what advice can you give to parents and to teenagers that uh, might get a hold of this and may be listening? Uh, because those, those 20 years that you were away, like I said at the, at the opening, was simply wasted years, uh, years you can't get back. And uh, what, what, what advice do you have to, to help somebody salvage? Uh, maybe they're already on that path or maybe they haven't quite made the choice and— uh, you know, we want we want to stop uh, stop this before it happens. I would definitely say to the parent, anything that you see um, that's out of character, start investigating. You know, I'm not going to say hit it head on because you know kids are likely to uh, hide stuff. They're likely to go into panic mode, and you know they may quit what they're doing at the moment, but it definitely ain't going to go away. At least keep your eyes open. Keep your eyes open and uh, definitely go into uh, being more, trying to be more aware of your kids' surroundings, who they're with, you know, what their activities are, have they altered, or just, just their actions. You know, uh, what I've found dealing with, with parents and children through the years is uh, many times, many times, let's just say um, at, at 16, 17 years old, you're you're sneaking around drinking or smoking or uh, hanging out with some people you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And uh, somebody sees that or hears that and comes to your parents. Well, I'm not saying this happened. I'm just saying this is, this is what happens a lot of times. Uh, rather than the parents uh, confronting you and finding out, uh, getting you to, to admit it, number one. Number two, finding out what the root causes. It, it would have been a great time for for you to, to turn back and, and start talking about uh, the domino effect, the things that happened. Uh, but rather sometimes parents immediately take up for Craig and say, oh, Craig wouldn't do that. You know, yes. um, my boy, I mean, he's been good all this. He's never give us a minute's trouble. Well, uh, but what the parent doesn't understand is the underlying issue like you had and you were dealing with some things internally that you had never talked about. You'd never discussed with anybody. Uh, you've just held that in and that pressure, if you will, that, uh, that guilt, because uh, sometimes you feel guilty because things have happened to you. Right. Well, I, I will say this, you know, talking about those underlying issues, you, you got to think about it, you know, however long that period of time's been, like I was talking about a while ago, the choices that you made, those choices have been domino effects. You've made choice after choice to keep that covered up. This led you into something else. Um, to start off with, I would say this to any parent and to any kid and won't bat an eye about it. There's not a teenager alive that's mature enough to make their own decision. Exactly. Uh, let me, let me, interject right here uh i remember years ago i had a group of uh i think 14 15 16 year olds and so i asked one of the 14 year olds i said uh, look around this room at all the other 14 15 year olds and tell me pick tell me which one of them 
just point them out, that you want that person to make decisions for you in your life. For the next 5, 10 years, you're going to let this 14, 15, 16-year-old make your choices. Well, even a, a teenager smart enough to know that all of their, their friends don't have any sense. You know, I mean, they're, they're still uh, uh, riding on top of the car, windsurfing or whatever they call that, and, uh, uh, you know, beating up mailboxes with uh, <laughs> ball bats and, and just doing stupid stuff, you know. And so, and then I turned it around and I said, well, you're, you're the same age they are. So what makes you think that your decisions are going to be any better than theirs? So, um that's exactly right. It's uh, the parents need to step in and and make a lot of decisions. You know, I would say on on in through their college years. You know, because at the end of the day, you're dealing with, uh, you know, if you got any church background at all, you know that you're dealing with principalities, and they are far more advanced than any 15, 14, 16 year old kid. You know, they know what they're doing. Yeah. That kid doesn't. Um, and even us at our own age right now, we still need somebody to help us. You know what I mean? Oh, we we always do, yeah. So yeah. I mean, it's just uh, definitely watch. I would definitely watch for anything out of character. Just get involved in their life. Get involved in their life. I mean, I, you know, I want to think that me and my wife today are as involved in our children's life and involved with their walk with God. I know we're they're stronger than we've ever been. You know, um, but I don't want my kids to be like, oh, it's just my daddy. You know what I mean? I want them to be like, hey, it's my daddy. You know, it's, I yeah. want them to be okay with me being around because they're going to have to get used to it because that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> right, right. And you can you can be involved in their life without being uh, ruling with an iron fist right. or being a detective or uh, doing a lot of the things that uh, uh, sometimes can be overbearing. You can... You can be there, be in their life. I think the problem is a lot of parents are absent in in activities and family time, and then they come swooping in when trouble arises, and they have to play dictator, and uh, it, it, it goes against the grain. All right, as we turn the corner, what was the deciding factor or the aha moment, as I like to call it, uh, where you, you had an awakening? You said... Wow, I gotta, I gotta get this thing together. This ain't right. You know, um, me and my wife had a relationship to where she was—I um, mean, she was my wife. It was for better or worse. She—I'm uh, not gonna say that she knowingly enabled me for a long time, but she definitely um, she put up with a lot more than she should have ever put up with for a long time, you know, and a lot of times, you know, and uh, our, our spouses do because they love us. At the end of the day, for better or worse, you know, they take the vow seriously. Um, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that I'm married to a, a, a person that, that did not take the easy road out when she had plenty of opportunities. But the deciding factor was is, you know, she had took the kids and she had left a lot of times and when things would be overbearing for her or overbearing for the kids, or if I was just at the point to where, you know, I was unstable to be around. But I always knew she was coming back. I always knew that I could get back in, you know. Somewhere or another, I could manipulate my way back in the door. And uh, one night, this last time when all this took place, she, um, I had left. 
And for some untold reason, I went and stayed with my mom and daddy. And my daddy was on the road. And it, I may as well have moved in the house with a bulldog when I moved in with my mom because she knew too. You know what I mean? The cat was out of the bag. Everybody knew Craig had a problem. Um, Craig knew he had a problem. He just wasn't ready to admit it. He was ready to smooth things over and get right on back down the road. Um, I had been back to my house. My wife had actually had to take a protective order out on me. Um, and this was a first. This was a first that she had ever went to the point to involve the law. Um, so I wasn't supposed to be at the house. I went to the house trying to smooth things over, knowing that I would go to jail if I got caught. But, you know, the drug makes you think for it, for it thanks for you. It's what it wants. Anyhow, long story short, I went. She wouldn't accept me. Um, and I realized at that point that, you know, I've, I have done it. I have, I'm, I'm just like all the stories you hear, you know, I've lost my wife. I've lost my kids. I've lost my house over stupid dope, you know? And, uh, I was at, I was, I was at a broken point. I was at a broken point. I left my house that night in my pickup and didn't even make it out the end of my driveway and drove my truck straight into a tree. I'm not going to tell you that I was trying to commit suicide, but I did not care what the outcome was. Um, I just knew that if I couldn't have them, I didn't want me. You know, I mean, I didn't, I didn't feel like I had anything left to, li- to live for. But, um, you know, I, I walked away with that without a scratch, thank God. Um, that was an awakening part right there. I knew I had lost everything I had. I knew that I had just basically tried to kill myself and God wouldn't let it happen. So from that point forward, I was I was ready. I was tired already, you know what I mean? I was tired, you know, we all get tired of running. And uh, you know, a lot of folks say, well, you just, you just done run down. No, you're just, you're spiritually tired. You're spiritually tired of running. And uh, especially when you have a background in apostolic doctrine like we do. Because uh, that's the hardest thing to run from. If you ever get it, it's the hardest thing to run from. But, um, that was my breaking point. You know, my folks signed a writ on me. They put me in jail. I had to sit in jail for a little over two weeks. And uh, that was the best thing that ever happened to me is I had to sit and think about things. And uh, can I, can I pause you right there yes, just a moment? Don't, yes, don't sir. lose, don't lose Go that thought. Uh, you said that's the best thing that happened. Now there's somebody, possibly somebody listening right now that that's where they are. Mm-hmm. They're they're at that point, and something has happened, and it's the bells are starting to go off. They're starting to to to, to get their vision back, and they're they're beginning to say, "Ah, oh, this ain't right. I got to turn." What do you say to them right here, right now? Because getting arrested, if if you're if you're rewinding back, you you didn't think it was the best thing. Mm-mm. When they put the cuffs on you? Oh no no no! I, I was I was mad enough to um, the the point of, of of loving my wife at that time was over. I was mad at that point, you know, when it first happened. But it took a day or two of uh, coming to. It took me coming down, coming down off that high, you know. It took that drug quit thinking for me and for me to start thinking for myself again. And that takes time. That takes time, and that's a process. It's a painful process, but it's a process. Um, you know, when when I was in jail, this was this was the turning point for me. This is when I knew that God had something for me, 
And uh, this is when I knew that I had to turn it around. I mean, this is my last chance. You know, I smoked, uh, I smoked cigarettes, and uh, I'd done been in jail about eight days, and I wanted a cigarette some kind of bad. Um, and and if there's somebody listening to this right now, that that possibly may may be in jail or whatever, um, there's a thing in jail called a floor walker. They're the ones that that pass out the trays, the food trays. I'd ask him for a cigarette, and he gave me a bag of tobacco, and they passed out these little New Testament Bibles in the, in jail, you know. Anyhow, I remember looking at it, Brother Mark, and I was thinking, what am I going to do with this? What is this, you know? And uh, he come along a little bit later, and he told me, he said, tear the pages out of that Bible and use it for rolling paper. I'd never dreamed in a million years people would burn the Bible. You know what I mean? Right. Nothing about that. Anyhow, I, was, I can remember thinking, man, you can you don't you don't burn the word of yeah. God. You read the word of God. You sure don't smoke it. You sure don't <laughs> smoke it. That's right. But I believe, sitting here today, looking at you, that God used that inmate that was incarcerated right along beside me to bring me the word of God one more time. Wow. But I still had to make a choice. Yeah. I could make a choice and keep blowing stuff up in smoke. Or I could submit right then to that word of God. That's yeah. what it was trying to tell me. Wow. I don't know what verse, what scripture, any of that that I opened up and started reading, but I just know that the simple fact of me submitting to that word of God and opening that Bible put me on my knees, and that's when it changed my life forever. Wow. In a jail cell. What a great story, and uh, I wish we could talk all night and all day, but uh, we can't. We got to wrap this up. Thank you, Craig, for uh being here and thank you for opening up and thank you for uh, sharing your testimony and I know sometimes it's hard to to open up about some things but uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you and I'm excited about where you are now in life and uh, what God is doing and about to do so uh, God bless you and uh, thank you for being with us today thank you